0: Today, we're speaking with Stephen Whiteley. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Bant. How are you? I'm well. It's great to talk to you. Stephen is the co-founder and CEO at Quicksilver Translate. I need a translation for that. (laughs) Um, And, (laughs) and, um, you know, he's built a fabulous business that's one of the leaders in multilingual translation, uh, has an amazing team of certified linguistics, experts, um, really bringing together the best of IT uh, for translation needs. But before we kind of get into what Quicksilver Translate is up to, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career, Stephen.
1: Okay. Um, I, was, uh, I was brought up bilingual, so I have a British father, Spanish mother. So I was born in the UK, but raised in Spain. Then I went back to the UK to study um i actually studied languages and economics at cambridge uh then i worked in the city of london for a bit i was in um in uh, auditing then in management consulting then i came back to spain married continued the whole management consulting thing and finally got very tired of that kind of lifestyle as so many people do and decided i wanted to to create my own company so you know my um, where I can add value most is in languages, because uh, it also runs in the family a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started up Quicksilver in 2004. Uh, shortly afterwards, my father joined me. He came out of his, uh, his uh, role in his uh, multinational, an American multinational, and uh, we decided to go for it together. We've been at it for 17 years, and we've been, we started off uh, working from, from home, uh, a couple of years later, we set up an office and a team. The team is still there. The office is no longer there. We, uh, right. we work from home, thanks COVID. And uh, actually, we got used to it. We love it. And now it's opened up all kinds of possibilities for us. So we have Well, we'll that,
0: definitely um, tweeze through that a little bit more. I, I think that a lot of companies are having that very discussion right now, which is what do we do about our offices and where do we go from, from yeah. here? But- Let's go through a little bit more about Quicksilver and how you approach the translation industry and the translation need for companies. Tell me a little Mm -hmm. bit more about how you cultivated and structured the offering and how it works today.
1: Okay, so for us, the key is to adapt to what our customers need, but also to what our customers already have and are capable of doing themselves. Translation is a service which people uh, outsource when they don't have the time. Everybody thinks that they can do it, especially here in Europe where everyone seems to be bilingual or multilingual. And what that's led us to do is to combine the capabilities of our our translators, qualified, certified uh, native speakers of the language they translate into with the possibilities offered by technology which keeps changing every day. So we've set up four levels of service Mm -hmm. and different customers can use different levels for different projects so for example you might want us to do an initial translation for you and then someone in your office can tweak it and polish it Mm -hmm. or the other way around you might want to do uh, the first 80 percent of a project say and then give it to us for review which is what a lot of uh, our business school customers do that's just two examples
0: so that's great. So coming in at different steps of the process, and mm-hmm. I would say that one of the things that uh, I, I suppose is becoming more and more part of our lives is the discussion around machine learning, and mm-hmm. uh, we all, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My 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 friends that are, uh, I don't know what we call them, Googleites, Google, the 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 Google crew. They're like, oh, well, just use Google Translate. It'll, it'll solve all your problems. But it certainly doesn't. But I'm just curious how y- you and, and your team are approaching some of these new tools that we see um, in the linguistic space.
1: Um, it's, I, th- I think there's two elements to what, what you just said. One is to handle the production side of things, so to be able to incorporate machine translation in this case into your processes and do it in a way which is smooth and basically invisible to the customer. The customer just wants perfect result. The other element of it is to manage customers' expectations, to, um, to partner together with our customers and show them where they can use machine translation processes and where they can't, where they will fall short, help them understand in which ways they can use it, in which ways they should use it. Not to be scared of it, but not to be overconfident either. And there's a fine line there. There's a balance. And I think that's where we as um, experienced linguists can add most value in in helping them understand what is possible, what isn't, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing.
0: You know, in in my business, Stephen, sometimes I feel like uh, there's not enough of a focus just on, people being competent in their own language much less another language <laughs> but uh but um you know the the reality is translation in my world would be it, it would be very very important yet i constantly see you know websites a lot of digital media with very poor translation i mean mm. how are people not waking up to this and you know what do, we need to, what do we need to tell these people to, to shock them into action?
1: Um, I, I think a lot of customers are using translation less than they should. I agree with you that we see websites, for instance, which don't seem to be up to standard. But really, I think there is a mismatch between what we do in business and what we say we do. Let me explain that. We say that we look for quality and everyone I ever speak to says, oh no, we need the best quality translation. But when it comes down to it, the decision on how to do something, not just on which supply or which partner to use, but how to do things ends up being a balance between three things, between quality, which is very difficult to assess and evaluate in translation, speed, because we're always in a hurry and cost. And, if you draw the, you put those together on a, on a, on a PowerPoint slide, say, and, and join them up, you get the impossible triangle. And, and that's where the different levels of quality fit in. You, and most projects, most customers even in, in different projects will have different objectives, different goals. So one day you might need a very fast turnaround of very large volumes, at which Perfect. point don't ask me, don't ask me for a, for a discount. Uh, some other other times you might need large volumes of very high quality, like a product catalog, at which point don't ask me to have it ready for Monday morning. And mm-hmm. more and more these days, uh, customers and companies want large volumes at very low cost. Uh, so don't ask me for high quality. And it's it's learning how to be, um, be able to offer something different for each of those needs, or those combinations of needs uh, that I think is the way the industry should be going uh, moving forward.
0: Yes, uh, I, I'm very aware of the impossible triangle, and uh, my my previous career in the advertising industry that seemed to always be the the challenge, yes. where clients would want something that would would uh, double their sales overnight. Win a can lion um, at at a tenth of the price, <laughs> and and tomorrow morning, if you please.
1: <laughs> That's right. Expectations are right. always uh, there, and and everybody wants you to to do miracles, and the truth is mm-hmm. that disruptive business models appear once in a while. Um, we read a lot about disruptive business models, but. Really, most businesses do well if they tweak their processes, if they just streamline things, and get a little bit better every day at what they do, and never forget um, what it is they're trying to do, which is to help help your customers. Because without customers, you know, us in the service industry, we're we're nothing.
0: So, so tell me, Stephen. It sounds to me like the last uh, year, last eighteen months, has has been full of changes, not only. Uh, for the world, but also for Quicksilver, as you have rethought your business and sounds like you guys are moving to more of a remote model. Tell, tell me about that process and um, how, are, how are you faring through the whole thing? How are you staying sane?
1: <laughs> we, 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 we've been very lucky, actually, and we've suffered uh, a lot less than um, most other companies and most other industries. The reason is we were basically working from home already, or at least Mm. 80% of the organization was working from home. So all of the linguists, all of the reviewers, everyone doing desktop publishing, designers, web experts, etc., were already working from home. Those of us who were still in the office were management and project managers. And that's kind of been the last step. So, yes, the pandemic has pushed the rest of us um, home and yeah. made us realize, although we kind of suspected it, but it's made us realize that you can work just as well from home. In fact, if you look at certain indicators, we've been, or at least I, certainly in my case, I've been a lot more productive from home. Yes, you lose out on yeah. the social or human interaction, if you want, between colleagues, um, and we do try and compensate for that by spending a lot of time online talking to each other. Um, we can't be in the same room, but at least we can be in the same Zoom meeting area or, or, or over Skype or whatever it is and make sure there's plenty of uh, communication, coordination, lots of online training. Uh, and we've got very good at um, bringing in new people, new project managers, for instance, and focusing more and more of our processes online online. Uh, on the cloud, etc. So we've just taken that extra step in the direction that, to be honest, we we're already heading in. So we've been very lucky in that way.
0: Yeah, well, that that is great. I I love to see how companies are evolving, and and certainly I I've seen those trends that many companies are finding those efficiencies, um, yes. and and maybe facing some of the challenges that you highlighted on in terms of maybe some of the discussions where you want to be face to face in person regarding innovation, maybe things like that. But, um, uh, I am, I am very excited to see how companies evolve over the next 18 months to two years to see if people end up just going right back to what they were doing before or whether we will hold on to this progress. What, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that a lot of what the pandemic has, has, has brought is here to stay. I see people finding uh, a balance between working from home and working in the office. And, of course, it's going to vary from one industry to another um, and also within different functions. So people in sort of back office functions are going to be working from home a lot more because, you know, as long as they're not client-facing. People who are client-facing are going to have to go back to their place of work people in sales are going to have to change their habits. I mean, I work basically most of my time in sales anyway. And what I've found is that I I get to see more people and chat to people more. So a, a high percentage of my time is spent talking to people, but mostly from my office or even from home. Because, you know, what we're doing right now, this this is now enough for most people. And it all it's also become a lot more productive. There's uh, there's less chit-chat. There's less uh, chatting about the weather and about, you know, what what your team did last night, which is great. uh, And I do kind of miss it. But it also means that the my presentations, for instance, uh, are way more productive than they used to be. So you're cutting on travel time, et cetera. Um, Again, that's going to depend on what sort of industry you're in. So if you're in the knowledge economy, that's going to continue. And people uh, have already learned and they're going to continue learning to be more productive. The challenge is going to be for management to uh, monitor people's performance. We are already finding new ways of evaluating employees and collaborators um, to see exactly. And recruit
0: and recruiting is a whole new thing, right?
1: For us, recruiting is, I mean, this has opened up the doors for recruiting all over the place. Yeah. So I now have project managers sitting in the UK, in uh, yeah. Portugal, in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no reason why why we can't continue growing in that way. Right now, you know, the, the world is our oyster and we can recruit from absolutely anywhere. And particularly for the language industry. I mean, that is yeah. so exciting. Whereas before yeah, we were yeah. limited to where we have offices, Barcelona, London, Miami, now, it's, it doesn't matter where you are. You can sit anywhere as long as you're in the right time zone and uh, you can be part of the team. So, Stephen, as you look forward, I mean, what are, what are you imagining the next
0: couple of years looking like for, for your business and really the broader category of translation solutions? Uh, are we going, I mean, I, I on one level, just perhaps on a more philosophical or international level, relations perspective, I hope we spend more time with businesses like yours as we seem to be fragmenting away from understanding and translation, understanding one another. And so I hope we all kind of embrace the need for international understanding. But I'd just be curious, how, what, what kind of trends are you seeing on the technology side as well as the demand side?
1: We have con- we've been seeing growth in the industry for the last 20 years, uh, non-stop. And yes, this year has slowed growth down a little bit, but there's still been growth. Um, so that's definitely going to continue. In fact, this year should be, assuming we can, um, uh, the pandemic uh, is, is to a certain extent solved. Um, we're going to continue to see growth in the industry new services are being offered and new services are being consolidated so online interpreting is happening uh, automatic transcription automatic subtitling things like that and again it's the crossover between automated uh, services call it translation call it subtitling call it transcription etc and what qualified highly experienced linguists have to offer and it's the right. combination of those two things And whoever gets that right is going to succeed enormously and grow because that is the key. Automating as much as you can that which can be automated and Mm. adding value at exactly the right time uh, to make sure that you differentiate yourself from a purely automated solution. And that's what customers are looking for and will continue to look for because they are, in terms of the demand, demand continues to grow. We are creating and publishing ever more content. I mean, it's billions of words every day. Um, and we don't translate half of it. I mean, we, we, we translate a very small part of it. It's, right. It would be impossible to translate everything. But learning what to translate and how, that's going to be the challenge for the demand side, i.e. for our, our customers. And that's the challenge that we need to, to continue to work towards.
0: I think that that, that's a really interesting kind of um, mix of forces. One is that digital content surge that we see. More and more demand every day for more content. And then making sure that you utilize in the most efficient and effective way all of the tools that you possibly can. And then last but not least... Making sure that you have the best talent to understand the meaning and the nuances. Absolutely, where things get lost constantly in in the the world of communications. Um, I I, I could reiterate uh, many, many funny stories where... uh, in my own life, I have been lost in translation and perhaps needed Quicksilver Translate to save me <laughs> from from the, from the scenarios. But Stephen, thank you so much uh, for telling us about uh, what you guys are working on at Quicksilver Translate. We've been speaking with Stephen Whiteley, he is the co-founder and CEO at Quicksilver Translate. We've been talking about how the business has rapidly expanded and and evolved over the last um, 18 months as we faced the the world of the pandemic and and really looking forward at, at a world where there's going to be much more demand for these types of solutions, but in a very, very different way as uh, we have to apply more and more technologies for the basic needs and, and also more and more talent for the more complex, nuanced insights that we need to be pulling out. Stephen, if someone wants to, to learn more about Quicksilver and what you guys are working on, where should they, where should they go?
1: Um, the easiest place is our website, so quicksilvertranslate.com. And obviously, we're on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and facebook and it's it's actually quite easy quite easy to find us online
0: excellent well listen thank you so much for being on uncaged today
1: it's been a pleasure thank you very much cheers cheers thank you very much